You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Sidney Johnson, Bob Usler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. And welcome back to Open Court with Sidney Johnson, the former Fairfield great Joe DeSantis, and I'm Bob Usler. Glad to have you along for another week as we uh, start things off today by talking about a a great Sunday afternoon at Alumni Hall. Along those lines, we're going to bring in our special guest later, someone who's been a big part of many great days and nights at Alumni Hall, Jim Fitzpatrick, the longtime public address announcer for Fairfield, will join us today. We'll preview the road ahead for the Stags, and we talk about that literally because the Stags have a three-game road trip coming up and, as always, get the state of the Stags from uh, Coach Johnson. And let's start there, Coach. I know somebody who is a casual Fairfield fan who watched the Siena game and then was there to watch the Iona game at Alumni Hall. This person said, I saw two different teams, and I know you did too. And in the interim, after the Siena game and leading up to that great win at Alumni Hall against Iona, I know you were quoted after the game as saying you had a lot of honest conversations and discussions with your team how difficult sometimes are those kinds of conversations when honesty is at a premium and sometimes it can go the wrong way? In this case, how did the group, how receptive were they to the message you and the other coaches were trying to convey? Well, I think how they received it was clear, you know, in terms of how they played. And I, I want to give them all the credit in the world because um, when you're coaching and you're trying to connect and be honest you you, you you don't know you don't know how how your guys are going to take it um I, I do think that they're high character guys I do think that they're they're trying really hard and, and they've been receptive uh but we definitely needed a correction I don't think that um we were going about our business the way I wanted to be frankly in terms of sharing the basketball in terms of fighting for each other with each other uh offensively defensively and, and it showed mostly uh, against Siena, but I thought um, the two prior efforts weren't weren't our best either in terms of Monmouth and Canisius. And I don't think we were hanging our hat on the things that we're about. We want to play really hard. We want to share the basketball. We want to be mentally tough. We want to love and respect each other. And so um, that that is true that those conversations weren't easy, but um, uh, they needed to be had. And, and God bless these guys for trusting each other and trusting coaching. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think how they received it was very clear. I thought we went about our business the way we have been doing a, a number of times, and thankfully we were able to get the result as well. You're always uh, among the first to point out ultimately players need to take ownership of uh, the team and the situation, and we have great leaders on this team, starting with Jonathan Casababa. Who are some of the other burgeoning leaders on this Stags team on Beyond uh, Casababu and Matia Millen, is still a very relatively young team. Yeah, I, I think um, some of the, you know, I don't want to give away everything, but some of the ca the conversation was that, just just that, that John, um, and, and he's not a finger pointer, nor am I, it's, but the, it, you can't just do it alone. You know, it can't just be one voice and one effort, um, and, and there needs to be a consistency of that. So when you look at um, a couple of seniors and, and Matia and Thomas, whether they're playing a huge role or not, 
um, in terms of playing time, they're immense in terms of having gone through the fires and, and being able to give experience for everyone and, and show people how to go about our business. And so, you know, that comes up. Um, there's certainly guys you can look at in terms of Itis and Jesus who are very cerebral and are experienced, and their voice needs to be there um, on day or off day. That, that was the great thing about Derek. Um, Derek Needham, he was phenomenal. It didn't matter whether he was hitting eight threes against Siena or one of his more quiet games. His leadership was always there. John has channeled that, and uh, that's, that's what we need. And, I, again, I think guys took to it. I, I saw, and we're going to talk about him, I'm sure, because he was tremendous against Iona Jesus Cruz. I saw him more vocal that game than ever. And it wasn't, when I say vocal, it wasn't like words. It was slowing people down with his hands, you know, telling, you know, pointing the back the ball out. But um, anyway, um, since we're talking personnel, two days before the Siena game, we had our last podcast. And you had mentioned that Wasif right. had earned had had some good practices, and sure enough, against Siena, 15 points, three threes, five rebounds in 36 minutes. And against Iona, wasn't around long enough because he fouls too much, and he made a real dumb play when he got the tee, but he had 11 points in six minutes, four for four, one for one from three, two for two, free throws. So uh, what – What? I, I think I know the answer, but – in the prior four games to Siena, he did not play against Canisius. Monmouth, Quinnipiac, Niagara, in those four games, he's averaged six minutes. You know, I'll, I'll raise my voice, and I'll get on these guys. Um, but I'm also, Joe, I, I give them opportunities, man. Like, I, that, as long as I've been coaching, um, as long as I've been coaching, I've given guys opportunities to earn minutes. And the best guys in the gym, I'm, I'm going to find a way to get in. Now, is it always necessarily on their timeline? I, I'm not going to lie, but – you know they got to earn it and they got to they got to make it happen and it's got to be consistent and I can just tell you that consistently Wasif was one of the best guys in the gym over the last 10 days and so everybody in our in our gym everybody knew he was playing come Siena and and come I own every single person on the staff um, and in the locker room knew that he was going to play but I'll, I'll be fair or I'll be honest in saying that, that it wasn't that clear cut before. Why? why? That was uh, because where there was other, he? Because he showed last year he could play. He sure did. So I, now this is like the reemergence. What was he waiting for? I think, uh, you know, I, I think he, he, you know, I think he should speak on that, to be honest. Yeah, but right. what I'll tell you is I, I, I part of our conversation with our guys, you got to have a clear mind. You got you got to trust what this is. And when I say a clear mind, it's just like. Um, don't, you know, if you turn it over, it's not a turnover times two. It's just one bad play. Like, get to the next one. It doesn't have to be rooted in, okay, well, you know, coach might pull. You. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Just clear your mind and give us everything you got. And usually good things happen to players when they do that. Um, I, I, I firmly believe that in, in every team and coaching situation I've been, clear minds bring a lot of good things to guys. A couple of other things, actually uh, three things. I'm going to let Joe uh, set you up on Jesus Cruz because I know Joe has some, some good thoughts and observations about Jesus' game on Sunday against Iona. But I wanted to ask you um, about the use of Neftali 
and itis at the same time through good stretches of that game. We haven't always seen that, and uh, it's obviously something that worked on Sunday. And you know, let me stop there. Let me ask you to comment on uh, the advantages, the moments uh, that present itself where you decide to make that kind of a move. Uh, how often are we going to see that going forward, perhaps that combination? I, You know, I don't want to, you know, kind of – build it up too much to be honest like I, I do think um, having two primary ball handlers two really capable guys to get us into our stuff to play uh, you know smart basketball I, I think that that's a huge benefit and that's a, a coaching um, move if you will but I'd also say Idis was one of the best guys in the gym over the last few days as well so you know what I mean it's just kind of putting yourself oh well we can look at that because you're playing really well Oh, you you play pointing on the ball and you play pointing on the ball as well. I don't really care if you're two of our best five, then you're gonna get out there. Um, and one thing I would say, just jumping back to uh, Joe's observation of the game, I, I thought uh, it was one of our smartest games of the year, and and I've been putting a lot into that and and with our our coaches as well and trying to get these guys that the IQ to be there and so when you're talking about guys grabbing the basketball understanding they don't have a great shot and pointing like throw it out and run another that's been a long time coming and a lot of coaching and and these guys took to it Um, but I was really pleased with um, how smart we were during the game and I think that that certainly bodes well for the future this season and beyond. And Landon Taliaferro in that game it was uh, it just jumped off the box score, and as the game progressed, how often he was getting to the line in that game. Uh, he took off the top of my head eleven free throws, I believe. Eleven out of twelve. Eleven out of twelve free yep. throws made. Eleven. Yep. I think the most he had taken in any single game previously, again off the top of my head, I think was three free throw attempts. So obviously a radical difference. That was a result of a conversation you had with him. Give us some background to that. Well, and even even today, I mean, we just we just practiced today, and there's there's still a lot of coach. We're, I'm channeling Tyler Nelson with with Landon and and our premier shooters. Tyler was obviously the best uh, three-point shooter here. He's one of the all-time, well, he's the all-time leading scorer and one of the great players here. He got to the free-throw line. He wasn't a, you know, uh, one-trick pony. You know, he found his way to the free-throw line, pump-faking, um, getting guys to follow him on his jump shot, but also being able to get all the way to the rim. And we're channeling a lot of that with Landon. I mean, he, he obviously knew about Tyler, and we sent him film throughout the recruiting process, um, and we've watched a lot of it now. And that's a big step for him to take moving forward because he can shoot just as well as Tyler. Honestly, I, I wouldn't put my money on either one of those. I'd just kind of let them figure that out. But in terms of being a complete player, you know, Tyler was he, was, he was a bad boy. You know, he could, you know, he had in-between game. He could get all the way to the rim, and, and he could also find guys. And that's the development that's going on with Landon. Um, being able to drive and draw contact, not shy away from it, those types of things are really important for him to continue to be effective on a night or an afternoon where he really didn't shoot the ball well. Mm-hmm. But he got to the line. He was a complete player. He, he picked up three steals as well. So those are those are all steps in the right direction. And as you said, he can hit those free throws. Uh, nice form. He's, he's going to make well beyond 80 percent you would imagine over the course of his career and i don't know coach if you know this but joe has a new nickname for uh jesus cruz joe why don't you give us uh oh no that's he's had that nickname seuss right you know but you added to it the oh the uh, god of thunder (laughs) yeah he struck (laughs) he struck he struck loud and clear he's been good yeah 
He's yeah. been real good. Is that a segue in for me now to talk about Cruz? Yes, it is. All right, I'm learning. <laughs> um, so let's let's rewind back to um, I don't know when you guys have your red. What November of last year? Mm-hmm. I walk into the gym and a couple of my classmates uh, going off about Cruz, about how he's going to be a great two guard, and and I'm looking at his body and I'm saying a two guard. I'm like, okay, well I want to see him shoot. Here he's now. You've gone back and forth, I think, the last two years, especially last year, with your lineup. The way the game is played now, and I'm just talking. You don't have to confirm or deny. There's a lot of four perimeter guys now, okay? It's, the old days are over, a power forward and a, and a center. So I always thought he was a better perimeter four. Now, the way he's been playing, is he kind of allowing uh, – is he giving you now an opportunity for him to play a little three guard, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I, I – the way he's shooting the ball better. Yeah, the way we we look at things, we we'll have big forwards, small forwards, and then guards. Like like you said, the center is kind of like that's. Uh, well, I don't know. That might be in other programs. It's not necessarily ours. You know, we like guys uh, who can pass, dribble, and shoot. And I think as um, Jesus proves himself to be more effective on the perimeter, uh, without question, he can be more facing. Um, we have posted him at times, and you, you guys all know he has a nice knack, the pivot foot, and nice, you know, uh, and all that kind of that's stuff. That's an understatement. I think he's your best post player. Yeah, he he's got a knack. I mean, yeah. you know, Omar, uh, you know, we missed him the other day, but he's he's a handful, Joe. He's yeah. you know, and it's such a shame that he couldn't play against Iona. He had a setback the day before the game because he was a man child in the gym. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think our guys would tell you, you know, between Omar and Jesus, those are really good post options. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think the versatility of the guys, you know, you go to Wasif, um, you know, he shoots the ball well, he can drive it, he can block shots. We've got to get rid of his uh, trash talking after the block shot, right? Um, he can make passes, uh, and we're really pushing him to be good defensively. But you got a sophomore class there that brings a lot, whether it's Jesus, Omar, Wasif. There's there's a lot of good things going on there. Well, okay, so it's late in the game. You're looking to run a play. You're sending a Tally Fowler off a stagger. Is Cruz the guy you want the ball with now? Um, I, you know, I, I think that we trust him. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't want to give everything away. I, I mean, you're and, bad and, that way. And, well, and you know, <laughs> no, you're good that way. No, you're actually good that, that way. You're that, bad for us. That's one. I'm and looking then, for an answer. You're not giving me an and answer. And then two, you know, you know, it's, do you need a two? Do you need a three? You know, yeah. you know that kind of stuff. I don't. I honestly, I don't think I'd run a three-point shot for Jesus no. at this point. So no. you know, there's there's a little bit of that. Here's uh, your quote after the game against Iona. Great win. Probably the best win of the season, Coach. Um, in Alumni Hall, and you said the atmosphere was wonderful today. I love playing on campus. I want to get that Red Sea madness like it was back in the day. The energy from the students and all the families and fans from around town was incredible. The crowd really helped us today and was part of of our win. And I'm using that as a segue, Joe, to bring in our guest. And, Coach, feel free to... Join us in the question and answer session here because you're probably curious about our guest. You've been a, he's been a part of Fairfield basketball now for well close to a half a century. I can reach out and touch him during games. That's how close he is. He's <laughs> well, closer to me than my wife is during well, the games. Well, we may put him on the spot here and ask uh, Don't do that. some of the discourse perhaps <laughs> that Jim Fitzpatrick has uh, heard and witnessed over all these years. Jim, first of all, thanks for taking time out of your day. You, uh, <laughs> Your job here is you're one of the vice presidents uh, uh, at the school. And um, 
We appreciate the fact you took some time from your work day to join us. And uh, I just mentioned it. It's been close to 50 years that you've had wow. this job. So um, take us back to the beginning. How did it all start for you here at Fairfield? Well, it's uh, 40, uh, 48 years plus and close to 600 games, I figured wow. out. So mm -hmm. it's uh, a lot. Let, let me just say this about Sunday's game because um, I don't know if you remember this. There was about 12 minutes to go in the game. And Iona started to pick up, right, a half court, and Jesus brought it up. I don't know if it was McNeil or someone came right up on him. And rather than going through him, he stopped, and he just held the ball, mm -hmm. and then he found the open person. I mean, it was literally right in front of me. I do. And I was saying, gosh, that was a smart play. <laughs> um, and then uh, you could tell at so many occasions during Sunday's game, he was there, okay, it's on my back, follow me, because I'm not going to let them come back. And uh, in getting back to Alumni Hall, um, ha having that many games in Alumni Hall and seeing that many games, uh, it was close to. It wasn't where we wanted to be, but it was close to. Boy, that's a home court advantage. And uh, right after the end of the game, uh, the, the, the fans were just so, so pleased with the quality of basketball and the quality of coaching, everything went on. It was it was like the old days, if you remember. So, and uh, and you feed off of that as well oh, as absolutely. a public address announcer. That kind of energizes you as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you just get into it, and I didn't know what to expect because the Siena game was was a strange game. Uh, you know, coach as well as anyone else that. Someone said, well, Siena's a weak team. You know, no, there's no weak teams. They came in. Right. They played well. I think sometimes we said we didn't play well, but Siena did play well. They were coached well. Uh, and I don't think we knew what to expect on Sunday. And I think it caught a lot of people off guard, a great, great crowd. And then when the team came out and they just responded the way they did, it was like, hmm, this could be an interesting afternoon. And even when Iona made their runs to get back, it seemed like someone came up with a with a good play. So uh, I I went home and I said to my wife, I said, "Boy, that that was a fun afternoon." And this is how I gauge games. When I say I would have paid to see that game, <laughs> then you know that that was a quality quality game in alumni. Well, you begin and they would have charged you too. Yeah, they would have around this place. Yeah, I know they would have. Yeah. Well, you've been in free for a long, long time, Jim, and uh, for a good reason. Uh, as I said, you've been doing it a long time. One thing I found out when uh, searching through the files is that you actually played in a varsity basketball game for I Fairfield. Did, did you I know did. that, Joe? Yes, I did. And I, I, did I scored. A, and you scored. I scored a point. Uh, I think it was against Ryder. Uh, it was the old gym when they, they had the wall back there. Um, it was a funny story because I had to make a decision. Was I going to you know, try out for the team as a freshman or what? And I made a decision that you know it looked like the the the, uh, the odds were against me. So I said, no, I'll now go up and I'll try to be a manager and a statistician. And in December, uh, five of my classmates uh, had some academic difficulties, and they were asked to leave the team. Was and a nice turn of phrase. Was one of them named Joe DeSantis? <laughs> no, no, this this was way before Mr. DeSantis was probably even a thought in anyone's eye, and. Um, uh, they needed bodies. So uh, Coach Saccone and Coach Basaka said, are you interested? And I said, sure. Uh, in fact, one of the, the funniest moments was, um, I think it was the first game that I had suited up, and Coach Lou Saccone was a legend here in, in Bridgeport. And he comes into the locker room before the game. He says, uh, 
uh, I hate to tell you this, but one of our players won't be playing tonight because he's going to be getting married. <laughs> so, I mean, I've heard a lot of things in the locker room, but no one's come close to that. Uh, but Coach Basaka was great to me. Coach Sacone was great to me. Um, and then uh, after my freshman year, I just stayed with the team all the way through. Um, I just said Art Kenny, uh, member of the class of 68, sure. uh, uh, a box score and a write-up from the Philadelphia paper when we played uh, Villanova down at the Palestra in December of 1967. And Wayne Gibbons hit a 22-foot jump shot to win the game at the Palestra. Now, the significance of that was my first day on campus visiting was in February of, of 1966. And that was the night that uh, our 13-game win streak was broken by Villanova down the Palestra. I think it was Melchioni was playing for them. Great, great Villanova mm -hmm. team. Jack Kraft was still coaching then. But that was my first day on campus. Now, the first Fairfield game I had ever seen was in Alumni Hall, but not here on campus. It was Alumni Hall in Providence uh, because I only lived 20 minutes from the Providence campus. And uh, that's when Joe Mullaney was coaching Providence. And uh, watching this team called Fairfield, little did I realize that uh, it was going to become such an integral part of my life. But uh, that was how it started, and it's continued. The, the way I got to announce is uh, my mentor at Fairfield, Dave Zola, who was manager of the, and director of the Campus Center, decided to go back to the University of Illinois for his doctorate. And he used to announce the games. So I assumed that it just went with the position of being director of the campus center. So I showed up, and they said, well, gee, we hadn't thought about who was going to do it, so I guess it's yours. And that's, that's <laughs> did you have any did. announcing experience or Absolutely aspire not. to be an Absolutely announcer? none. Yeah. But I, I think you know, when you have a passion for the game, right. when you grew up, you know, I grew up in the, in the mid-'50s when the Celtics were winning all those championships. So, you know, I was used to Cousy and Sharman and Heinsohn and Russell and Luskatov and all those great Celtic players. And you just develop a passion for the game. In fact, my first uh, basketball game in high school for Monsignor Coyle was a prelim to the Celtic game with the Cincinnati Royals. And I was at half court looking. Uh, and this was the old garden. This isn't TD. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the old garden. Uh, and looking right at me at the jump ball was Oscar Robinson and My Jack idol. Twyman. And I smiled. I got the ball. Took two dribbles, put it up, swish, right? And nice. So, right. You know, <laughs> one of those great, great stories, you know. Yeah, w underrated. My Pe favorite player of all time. Yeah, Joe, people don't realize what a great, great player. Well, my dad uh, played uh, high school basketball in Indiana and uh, during that Christmas era. Christmas Addicts High School. Yeah, yeah. And so he told me about uh, the Big O and all those guys. Why is he so important to you? I mean, why why did you look up to him yeah, so You know much? what? It's a, it, I'll try and there was a, When I was growing up, there was a kid on our block. I was a young kid. His name was Eddie Robinson, and they called him the Big O, mm, Oscar okay. Robinson. Yeah, so I started yeah. following him, and I got to tell you a great story. I hope it doesn't take too much time. So I'm at the Final Four, coaches, when you're a college coach. Yep. Obviously, we know this, but maybe our listeners don't. You go out to your convention, and you go, you, you go to the Final Four. The school pays for everything. So I'm out there, and I'm driving with a buddy of mine, and I think it was um, oh Dallas. I don't know where I was. But I'm in, I'm in the passenger seat, and I was like, stop the car. Stop the car. So I jump out. There's Oscar Robinson with somebody walking up a block, or a street. So I, I get my business cut out. I got a pen, and um, I, I, uh, I see a little kid go up to him and ask him for his autograph. He says no. So now I'm like a nervous wreck. You know, I, I'm like, I don't know, 45, 50 maybe. So now I go run up to him, 
And I go, Oscar, while he's still walking, he turns around and he goes, what do you want? <laughs> so I'm going to tie in a great story. I said, Oscar, when I was a kid, I was a big fan of yours, and no one in my family drove. He's still walking. All I'm saying is I convinced a friend of mine's mom and dad to drive us up to your camp. It was at a camp in Connecticut, at a school in Connecticut, Quinnipiac College. So now he stops. He goes, Bert Coombs, Bert, I said, Bert Kahn was the coach. I said, Oscar, I am now the head coach at Quinnipiac. So he got like warm and fuzzy. I actually just got chills <laughs> telling the story. Yeah. So uh, he stopped, and I told him we're taking Division Two to one and blah, 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 and so he signed an autograph for me. That's fantastic. Well, Isn't it a great story? One other part of the story is that when uh, Gene Doris asked Joe DeSantis to come on board the broadcast team and uh, be my partner uh, on a permanent basis, as it turns out, the very first game that That's Joe right. broadcast with me was against the University of Cincinnati, Cincinnati. on the road. So we sit down, and um, we had a notion that Oscar Robertson would be there because that was his reputation that to this day he still sits midcourt, like bro one, right, right. at all Cincinnati home games. And uh, Joe anticipated it, and you had – Still have it. Yeah, Joe had a trophy from the camp, from right? From the camp. And I was 12 years old. And I got to see that up close. Everything he's talking about is mm -hmm. idolatry of Oscar Robertson yeah. is all true. I saw yeah. it. I saw the look in your eyes when you saw the big O yeah. right across. I mean, talk about the coincidence yeah, of that. Our first game. Your first game as a broadcaster was uh, at Cincinnati. Now, Jim. Well, one, uh, one other thing about that. I started not to like Oscar Robinson because my hero and idol, Bob Cousy, then left the Celtics to go play, play for Cincinnati. Play coach, right? Yeah, player, player coach. coach. was That was, how can you do that? How can you ruin my life, go to another team? <laughs> uh, so I didn't like him for a while there. Well, you've had a lot of uh, players, I'm sure, and coaches that uh, you have liked. Um, give us some of the mem – I know we could go on and on and on. It's a broad question, but uh, – your favorites, the, your, your favorite coaches, and, and I include the visitors among the Fairfield coaches, and obviously the guy sitting right in front of you, Joe DeSantis, has uh, got to be near the top of the list. Uh, well, there's, there's so many coaching stories. The one great one about Coach Basaka was when we used to play at the New Haven Arena, which was the, the worst place in the world. I mean, it was absolutely horrible, and that's why they tore it down. Um, we were playing Boston College, and during the game, two of the maintenance workers walked across the far end of the court with stacks of chairs. And Cousy, Bob Cousy, once again come up, came up to Coach Basaki and said, I'm never coming back here again. Uh, but that wasn't as bad as the next game we had there where Coach Basaka came in and looked at the court, and they had set up the court wrong. Oh. And they had the foul line where the half court was, and it was just one of those comedy <laughs> of errors. Okay, can I give you one? Yeah. You talk about the New Haven Arena. Then there was the New Haven Coliseum. Coliseum. Troy Bradford scored. And this is a New Haven area guy. Right. His thousandth point at the New Haven New Coliseum. Coliseum. Yeah. They took the ball out of play as a souvenir. And then they realized there was, they didn't have a ball. They had to go back and get that <laughs> ball. Yeah. I don't know what happened to any of the other practice. That's but great. I mean, uh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> they, they tore down the New Haven Coliseum as well. No, but, uh, yeah, and then we went up and we played BC up at Roberts Center at uh, Chestnut Hill. And 
the next year uh, they killed us. And Coach Basaka had the team in the locker room for an hour and a half after the game. We're like, Coach, we got a, we you know, we got a bus. We want to get back to campus sometime this season. Uh, so <laughs> that was one. So he he was great. Uh, Coach Barakat uh, was just a, a great great person. Brendan Soar, who mm-hmm. you you know you know when people mm-hmm. that we're talking about, uh, and and what he did the the 1973 team, the 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 NIT team. Um, people don't realize, aside from going down there and beating Marshall, and one of the players on Marshall was the coach of the Rockets, Mike, Mike Dantone. Dantone. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. people forget that he played yeah. for them then. Is that uh, what he does when he stands in front of his team? He coaches them? Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> not a whole lot of coaching well, going on. Well, when you got a guy James like Harden, Harden, you don't need a coach. Uh, you don't need it. A- anyway, you know, we had um, – the garden was sold out. Um, we rented a train from the uh, New Haven Railroad and had uh, 2,500 people on a train. Uh, Bill Schimpf got a, a parade permit, and we marched from um, 42nd Street at Grand Central all the way down to 33rd and 7th for the Garden. And no one expected us to win. Um, you know, Ray Kelly, John Ryan, just some great Fairfield people. Uh, and then the next year we come back, play in the NIT, mm-hmm. uh, and play Hawaii in the first round. And to this day, people say that Porky Vieira, the official, uh, cost us a charging call where oh, we would have won uh, Hawaii. So <laughs> those were, you know, two, two great. You left some out. Tell, tell everybody about the guys that dribbled from the campus. Rugby Singh was a uh, graduate student in the now-defunct Graduate School of Corporate and Political Communication. And he uh, and Jimmy Collins, and I forget who the third guy were, uh, dribbled a basketball from campus all the way down to Madison Square Garden uh, for that game. Timed it, right? So when they was about to throw the ball up for the opening tip, they came in. Now, people say to to me, back then, again, I I got to Fairfield in the fall of 75, and people say, why would you go to Fairfield? Why did you go somewhere big? I said, you know what? When Barakat walked into my house, I thought it was like, Shashevsky coming into my house because of the exposure they had had in the previous NITs. Well, well uh, Jimmy was talking about how he saw Fairfield at Alumni Hall for the first time at Providence. Providence. I saw Fairfield for the first time at those NITs. I used to go to the NIT all the time um, in my teenage years and into college, and people just don't comp- no, they, they don't, don't understand how big right. the NIT was at the Garden in those years, and I, I remember clearly how incredibly impressed I was by, A, Fairfield's fans, and B, how well they played. That 73, I still have the program for the 73 NIT and the great players you named, and 74 as well. I mean, they lit the place up. And then the first game I saw here at Alumni Hall, and I'm bringing it up because you obviously were the PA announcer for that game, was uh, Fairfield and Manhattan. And Manhattan was on the cover of SI that year as one of their Billy Billy Campion and right, uh, yeah. George Charlie, Busey, Nash, Charlie Mahoney, nationally ranked yeah. teams. And I walked in and I was among those. They kind of looked the other way. The fire marshals would look the other way. I couldn't <laughs> right. get a seat. I was like squished yeah. up against yep, the yep, wall. Yep. And I said, "Man, I love this." And that atmosphere was, well, had to with be you, with Coach going down to Manhattan Thursday night. I still get. Red, my eyes get red when I think about Manhattan. Because <laughs> of all the beer you used uh, to drink before the game. Oh, no, I, no the, the, the only time I had trouble with a beer is we had a game at the New Haven Coliseum, 
and I wasn't supposed to announce the game. It was against Syracuse, and it was supposed. To, I think it was one of those games where it was a Syracuse home game or something. And I wasn't supposed to announce. So we went to the a restaurant in New Haven, and uh, Jay Williams, the SID, comes up and goes, "You have to announce the game." The guy didn't show up. I said, "Jay, I can't even read the program." <laughs> and he said, "You got to announce the game." So well, wait a second, it gets better. So I announced the game. Uh, Pearl Washington was playing for Syracuse then, and. Uh, I'm walking toward the Fairfield uh, locker room, and a guy goes, hey, didn't you just announce the game? I go, well, yes, I did. He goes, you're much better than the guy in Alumni Hall. (laughs) 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 So it was one of those crazy, crazy crazy moments. But then you talk about other games. The game where I still hate you for is when you went out and got beat by Dayton in the NIT because my wife went to Dayton. And she dated Donnie May. And uh, that's all I heard about was how great Dayton was. And <laughs> yeah, those, we had no chance that those, game. Those great Dayton teams. We had the, no the, chance. Dayton, Dayton Arena. Paxson. Dayton Arena, just a great, great They had just beaten Notre Dame. Yeah. And Notre yeah. Dame, back in those days, it was Notre Dame, UCLA, Maryland, North Carolina State. It wasn't the Dukes and those people. Yeah. Was, Don, they, was Donaher Oh, coaching? yeah, Mick yeah. Donaher. Don Donaher. Donaher yeah, yeah. And Paxson and I were good, good friends from working camps. Yeah. And um, – is that, well, he was, we had the, no chance. he was the younger brother, Jim. John was the younger brother. John was, John was the age. one that played for the um, – Portland? Portland, he played yeah. for the Bulls. He yeah. He's the one that made the big shot yep. uh, to, with three-peat. Yeah. I actually used that in my basketball Thank academy. You. I, I uh, work out coach's daughter, Julia, who's going to be a star one day. I think we should have her on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and I tell kids that I work with that um, when John Paxson made that shot, he was interviewed afterwards. It was a three-point shot to win the game, the three-peat for the Bulls, and he said, I've made that shot millions of times, meaning mm-hmm. he's done in practice, done in the game. and Driveway and everything. Yeah, yeah. That's so, it. Um, but, That's it. Um, yeah. Now, go ahead, embarrass this guy. No, well, no, they, no, my, no, 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 I, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> I mentioned how I saw Manhattan and Fairfield my first game as a fan at Alumni Hall, but nothing was like the years that this guy was – Playing and along with the oh, yeah, great, great teammates, teams. yeah. yeah. I mean, your memory, your best memories of that span of Fairfield basketball when DeSantis and Mark Young and some of those great I, players. I would think just the overall excitement in Alumni Hall because not that we were expected to win, um, not that you take anything in sports for granted, but you know there was a, an excitement that there was going to be a intensity and, and a, a passion for the game that you just can't buy. You either have it or you don't, and those teams have it. And it, there was a chemistry in those teams. You know, you think of Young and Plufker and you, but there was just a chemistry that, you know, once again, you'd pay to see these teams play. And, and the, the, the students just yeah. ran with it. There was just, you know, we used to have games where the fire marshal is still here, would stop people from getting into Alumni Hall. And kids would sneak in. Just think about this. Kids would sneak into Alumni Hall to be able to get in to see these games. You, you know, to, to piggyback that, and I, I'm being very genuine and sincere, the, the game that we just played, it was, you know, I thought we played really well and we were locked in. And there were a number of things that we had to do to get ourselves to give that type of effort. But I, I'm honestly going to tell you guys, it was one of the first times I walked away from uh, coaching here at Fairfield and certainly on our campus where I felt that the crowd and the fans in particular helped us win the basketball game. Without a doubt. I, 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 can, I can't say that strongly enough. Like, as you mentioned, there are 
couple times where Iona was kind of making like a, a mini run. And, yeah, we had some guys step up, but I felt like the energy, it, it gives me chills talking about it now, and I'm thinking that that's probably mm. what you're talking about with Joe's days and oh. some of these other great the, – the crowd on Sunday – helped us win the basketball game and that's that's something that's exciting for me for the rest of the season and and hopefully as as the school has some plans to do some stuff special here for men's basketball did you notice coach the ovation your team got when you came out of the locker room this is a team that had just lost four games in a row and had not played well at home the previous game did you it, notice that it, it gives me chill yeah i did i did and i i i, I can't tell you how much um, it impacts the players and the coaches to to have people understand that we really are trying to play for this university and all the people who love it. And when they roll with you on your worst day, you want them that much closer on your best day. And and so that that's what I walked away from that afternoon, you know. And I I feel like if if we can get that. Um, I do think that um, we're all going to have a special ride. And it, it's something that I, I appreciate what Jim was saying, that it was really good, but it, it's not quite what it was back in the day because I still think we want to grasp that part where you're, the crowd is actually pushing us over the you edge. Could, you can see me. I was you know, where I am in the scorer's table and you two across. Um, when I'm in a game like that, I actually get over on it and I'm looking right down and I'm watching Jesus play defense as if uh, there's no way you're going through me. I don't know if it was the game plan. Or I don't know if you two picked it up. But it just seemed like every pass was double team. They were jumping up and they were doubling the ball. And there was no way they were going to drive. There was right. just no way. And that was almost uh, symptomatic of that whole afternoon of what it used to be like, that people walked away feeling. I had someone call me at 11 o'clock this morning saying they drove down from Massachusetts, no connection with the university, and they said, we didn't realize the game was there. They went to the game. They said, oh, my God, it was yeah, like yeah. the old days. Yeah. Wow. Well, th this, is, this is where you want to get to and you'll get to. First of all, my freshman year, Fitz, we were 12 and 16, okay? So uh, Barraquette um, made some decisions to play some of the younger guys. I think we were 16 and 12, and then we had the magical year. Um, I remember my senior year when Boston College came in for a shoot-around right after us. Yep. Right, at, it, was our, it was the last game. It was senior Season. day. Yep. Last game. Yep. And we were leaving. And by that time, even though there was an AAU and stuff, you knew the guys. And I remember uh, Vinny Cara, who I think was a junior, then a Chaminade kid, putting his arm around a younger kid as they were walking in, and he was pointing to the bleachers. Pointing That's, to wow. the bleachers. St said student section. That's – yes. Yeah, so – it it would it was definitely an advantage when these guys walked in, whether it was St. Bonaventure or whoever else was good in those days. We played, we we were automatically uh, ten points better than them. I thought, you know, they, I think I think we'd psyched them out to some degree. And at one time, we had the longest home winning streak in the country. It was like twenty six. Well, you remember the two games? The the two, well, there's the, the, the I'll mention three games that season where. We beat Holy Cross 123-103. That was my junior year, yeah. And everyone remembers that game yep. because uh, uh, Chris uh, – Chris, uh, not Chris, Potter, Chris, Chris Potter, Potter, Ronnie Perry. Ronnie Perry. Michael Vincennes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they were rated number eight in the country, you yep. know. Um, and the 123 points in a game. Think yep. about that. It's, yep. it's insane. And they scored 103, and we played great defense. That sounds crazy, <laughs> but that's the way it was. But then Monday night – 
as you know, we ended up playing Iona. And the great thing about that, Valvano's on one side, Barricat's on the other side. Maybe, what, eight, ten minutes into the game, uh, the lights go out. I, and, and you know this. I told a story on <laughs> yeah. the broadcast. The you lights, want to hear this. The lights go out, and then Barricat's in front of me, and I forgot who the refs were. And Valvano comes over and goes, wait a second. When the lights were yeah. on... We were ahead. Now the lights are all off, and Fairfield's ahead. What's going on here? And only the way Valvano could say yes. it. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I wish someone had, had taken yeah. that because that was one of those great moments in Alumni Hall right. that Valvano, there was times where Krzyzewski was in there. Krzyzewski was in there twice coaching Army. Yeah. And the first time, I remember him being very, very quiet. Yeah. Didn't say much. Yeah. And then the second time, he was like a total different coach. It was just Total yeah. different. We buried engaged. them. Yeah, we maybe. Buried. Mark Young at 34. <laughs> when we honored Barricat after he had passed away, real quick, uh, we we did a little thing for for Barricat uh, um, up on the um, the big screen, and uh, Johnny Ryan, a couple other people sent out uh, invites for Vital, and Shashevsky was on it, and I had sent him an email thanking him. He sent me one back, and he said, "I remember those days with my Army team. We uh, we we we." We came to Fairfield, and we could never figure out how to guard you guys. Yeah. I have it on my wall. Yeah. That's pretty. That's a couple of uh, housekeeping things uh, as we put a wrap on this. And, Jimmy, you're going to have to come back because I'm sure there are many more stories we could get into with you. But, uh, Coach, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the, the great atmosphere and the great win against Iona on Sunday. And now the schedule becomes very challenging. Three straight games on the road. In fact, you're going to play three games in the span of a five week. Days. Yeah, five yeah. days. Yeah. So this is yeah. an NBA schedule for Thursday, you. Thursday, Saturday, Monday. Yeah, so uh, let's just take, as you like to take it, one game at a time. It's Manhattan, Marist, and then Siena. But you got Manhattan coming up on Thursday. It's going to be a totally different kind of game, but how do you tap into what you did on Sunday and make it carry over on Thursday? What we tapped into Sunday was just getting back to our core values. That sounds really corny. It wasn't It wasn't a lot of X's, O's. It was like about the connection and playing more for each other and harder and being smarter. Um, that was, you know, a bit of our X's and O's stuff, but just tapping into like, guys, this is how we go about our business, man. And if you don't, if we if we can't do that, we're not going to go anywhere. So we, you know, we got to dive on the ground for loose balls. We got to celebrate each other's success. We got to be tougher mentally and smarter. Um, and so there was one play that was an outlier, as, as we already talked about. But um, I, I think that that's got to hold. We got to get back to who we are. We are back to who we are. We got to hold on to that. And uh, they're gonna Manhattan's gonna look to turn you over. They're gonna look to uh, out hustle you, out work you. Um, we've got to be in attack mode on offensively, and we've got to take pride in defending. And I thought those two things showed up uh, against Iona. I do think it'll be a different game, but we want the same approach. We've got to attack them offensively, and we've got to defend them. We've, we've got to get in these guys and defend them and make them work, um, and then hopefully good things will follow. You mentioned Omar earlier in the podcast uh, wasn't available on Sunday. What is his status going forward? Good to go. I, you know, I, it's just a, a random setback, uh, not timely, because I thought he, he could have certainly helped us against Iona. Um, we got the result, and so we're happy, and we want to keep it moving and, and hopefully get him in the mix uh, uh, again, you know, on Thursday. Final thing, we call it the overseas report, but let's just uh, actually keep it to the continental U.S. because Tyler's going to be in the area on Super Bowl Sunday. You can watch the Super Bowl and see him 
earlier in the afternoon, if I'm correct with my off-the-top-of-head information, which is always suspect, 1 o'clock, I think, the Greensboro, his Greensboro Swarm are playing the Westchester Knicks at the very nearby Westchester Civic Center. I encourage everyone who cares about Fairfield basketball and um, just everything that Tyler did. He's just off-the-charts kid, you know, storybook kind of uh, career here. And I still get texts from him. I got a text. I got to I gotta say this. Um, his dad sent me a text after the Siena game, you know, and, and we were pretty down and disappointed in our own effort. Um, and and I, I, was, I was just disappointed in me and just the result and the whole thing. His dad sent me a text and said, Coach, stick with it. It's a process. Trust what you're doing. I've seen what you do with guys. I can't, I can't, I'm almost getting choked up because it, it was like, wow, like, like one, you know, you just have these relationships that you appreciate. But again, what I said uh, a few minutes ago, when people stick with you on a day where you're not at your best, you know, you want them really close, um, you know, when, when you have those highs. And he was one of the first people I texted um, after the result we got against Iona. Um, but he really, his son and his family really made an impact on me and my family and the program. And I know he did that with a lot of people. So I hope um, if people have it in their, in their day or in their schedule to get over there, we actually as a team are trying to figure out if it works with our schedule to get over and see him um, and support him because he's just, he's just that guy. He's just a great, great, great person um, and gave a lot to the program and the university. So that's Sunday at uh, the Westchester Civic Center. The Westchester Knicks and Tyler Nelson's Greensboro Swarm. Anything to go here? Yeah, I have one more thing. Fitz, um, when number 14, Mattia Millen, scores, could you just for me say, number 14, Joey DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> Do that for me. Well, I don't think they're going to fire me, and uh, I'll, I'll see if I can fit that in at some point. Well, what's, what the, when we open up the new alumni hall, uh, I'll say it, and, and Coach can look over me, and, he'll, and only, only us will know what we're talking about. How's that? Jim, uh, Really nice of you to stop by, and as I said, we only scratched the surface, so maybe we can do it again before the season ends. That's Jimmy Fitzpatrick. Joe, we'll see you on Thursday and down at Dreddy. And, uh, Coach, as always, thanks for uh, the time and the insight. Good luck on this road trip. Thanks so much, Bob. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Open Court with Sidney Johnson, Joe DeSantis. I'm Bob Huesler. Next week, we will recap that Fairfield road trip as they get ready to play at Manhattan, at Marist, and then at Siena. And then we'll come back at you with open court about a week from now. As always, thanks for listening. See you soon. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.